podcast network for professionals please like rate and subscribe to us on itunes spotify google play stitcher luminary and TuneIn. you can also find us on all social media at believe in owl that's b-l-e-a-v in o-w-l and believe.com this week we go over the massive ptr patch the match fixing scandal in australia and the potential skin that was teased during the pre-game performance Hello, welcome to this week's episodes. <laughs> yeah, multiple episodes. We're doing this again. We got quite a bit. So yeah, let's... Um, How have you been this week? In the world of Kevin, I've just been grinding Fire Emblem, not gonna lie. Um, I've been streaming every night between 1 and 4 in the morning. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's a lot of fun, but... Uh, I'm glad to get back in the hot seat for Overwatch. I'm starting to feel the uh, the itch. The drive is coming back. And my team is also starting to come back and wanting to play. So might have to hop back into the into the Overwatch. I'm ready. And how about you? What's... How go the Halloween plans? Ooh, the Halloween plans. Ooh, okay. So it's starting to get spicy. Um, I'm starting to uh, order some things for the punishment games. I've got like 30 kazoos being shipped to my house. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and then I'm also ordering like a Halloween, awesome, like a costume. Of course, you have to wear a costume if you're hosting a oh, you know Halloween themed Overwatch thing. So uh, I have I have something planned for that, uh, but we'll see how that goes. Okay, okay. Anything new in the world of Matt? Um, in the world of Matt, I I beat the remake of the Zelda Link's Awakening game. It was really fun, but really short. Um, I really liked the new art style. It was, it was really cute. Yeah, I heard a lot of people say that. That it was like short, but it was very good at what it did. Yeah. I mean, I the price is still a little bit high for me. Um, 60 bucks for a game that short. Like, I understand all the work that is involved in making a game like that. I just wish maybe they had a little more content, like some mini games to make it a little more worth that. I think for me, I would have been more okay with a 40-ish dollar price range, but I'm Mm -hmm. still very happy with the game. Um, What else? What else is it new in my life? I I got a new internship for a, an independent film production company that I'm starting tomorrow. Um, it's only one day a week in person, but then like a lot of work at home and your own time online. So that's another unpaid thing I do. Uh, my <laughs> hours might either be cut or changing for work that I get paid for. So we'll see how that goes. It's a very difficult time to be a young millennial looking for jobs and things like that. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> oh, boy. And just all the artists I like keep releasing tickets and I don't have the money to be able to buy all of the tickets that I want to go to. I bought tickets for the Hella Mega Tour. I bought tickets for Joe Coy. Bishop Briggs released tickets that I'm tempted to go see her for a third time. I think Billie Eilish is releasing tickets sometime soon or something. It's it's too much. It's too much, Kevin. 
No, I feel you. There's a lot of things that we want to do in life, but we just can't afford it. Um, the the question that I wanted to ask you was, uh, do you have a? I have a specific rule when it comes to like video games and pricing. Mm-hmm. It's like if a game costs X amount of money, it should cost about a dollar per hour of gameplay. So that's that's how I balance it out. I say like if it's a good game, you're gonna get more out of more hours in it than the amount of like one to one dollar ratio. So mm-hmm. um, for me, at least like recently, I got Fire Emblem. That's a $60 game. I think I have like 35 hours clocked in on it already. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And I consider that a good game. Um, say, well, and then you have Overwatch and then we, we don't have to get into the why are you a gold border and plat kind of deal. But yeah, <laughs> yeah that kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, for me, a lot of it is replayability. So like, I know a lot of games have new game plus I have, haven't really done that except for the Batman Arkham games, but I've gone back and I played those several times each just because I'm so in love with them. Like I I've gone back and I've played God of war twice. So if it's, if it's a game that I've been looking forward to and I can, I feel like it's going to be a good investment of my time. Like you said, like dollars per hour played, then it's definitely something that I will get like Red Dead Redemption is a game that I've been meaning to go back to play, but I keep buying more games um, because there's so many sales for PS4 games that I missed out on in the past. So like Red Dead Redemption, I've played it a good playthrough the first time I played it. I've been meaning to go back and play it as just an evil outlaw playthrough. That, that's kind of my rule. It's can I see myself going back to this game sometime in the future and enjoying it? Any games that you're looking forward to coming out pretty soon? Um, not well. Okay, wait. In terms of stuff that's coming out, um, I've been keeping my eye on Persona Five Royal. Uh, we never know when that's gonna come. Uh, we know that in Japan they're getting it later this month, but later down the line for you know Western and world release, we won't get it until 2020 or sometime. Um, it's kind of kind of unfortunate, but. I'm down to play that game again. I have a whole other like list of backlogged games that I want to get, um, but I don't want to turn this into Kevin's wish list. <laughs> I'm waiting for Death Stranding. I'm just intrigued by how bizarre it is. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I had a discussion with a bunch of friends um, over Hot Pot about Death Stranding. Like, what is the meaning of this game? Like, why is he showing us random bits and trailers of, like, this? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's about male pregnancy and how, you know, single fatherhood. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I mean, it makes sense. Like, that's a weird, that's something that could happen in the future, but we don't know. We don't know when. I just hope that, like, with the amount of expensive talent and acting that they've had in this game, that the gameplay is going to be able to live up to the hype or is it just going to be kind of another one of those games that it's a movie that you kind of barely interact with you know but like it's in kojima's hands i trust kojima exactly i i hope that it turns out to be a great game but you know by the trailers we've always had those like memes going around of like kojima giving us something and we're like (laughs) okay (laughs) we don't know We'll, we'll take it. We, we take your word for it that it's going to be good, but okay, what is this? Like, you didn't ask for it, but thank yeah. you. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, let's see what. Uh, let's pull up the notes, the actual notes, the stuff that we're supposed to talk about. All right, the PTR change. Also, the shortest amount of notes we've had the entire time we've done this podcast. It's one document with six pages. Normally, we have like four docs at least, and it totals to around 30 pages, but we're down to a fifth of that. Yay. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be super weird once we get back into the season though. Uh, oh, we're going to yeah. have yeah, we're going to have those 30-page documents again. But you know, this this week we only had to focus on the grand finals and some of the news that's around the league, so we didn't really have to worry about it too much. So so one of the big things for us PC gamers is that we always look forward to the PTR patch. It's where Blizzard tests out a whole bunch of weird stuff and essentially checks if it works. I think we'll go over it one by one and just get initial reactions and then we can go over like final takeaways and all that stuff. So the so the first character that we're going to look at is Diva. Uh, Diva got her matrix regen um, goes up quicker. I think it's by like a quarter of a second and the recharge rate cooldown is reduced. So essentially you get your you get your DM faster when you're not charging it or when you're not using it. And then the period between when your DM runs out and you starting to get it back and recharging is reduced. So essentially, we're going to see more defense matrix. I think this is going to be a huge thing, especially with eating ultimates. Uh, With how effective you see things like Maze Blizzard right now, having D.Va to eat that would just... It ruins a lot of pushes, and I think it's going to be fun to see Diva brought back to kind of break the May comp or the Reaper comps that we see a lot of. Yeah, the the main question that I have about this is, is it good enough to beat Sigma? Because Sigma's got a very interesting kit, but do you think this change to DM, this defense matrix change, is enough to bring D.Va back over Sigma. I don't know, because I think Sigma still is more effective than D.Va, unless people start going dive again with the Winston that we're going to talk about with that change. Um, I, I honestly, I I think we might see D.Va more for last-minute pushes again, um, alongside with Wrecking Ball. I still think Sigma's the stronger pick for now because his shield is more effective and his damage is already so high. I think Diva has Diva has more mobility and more range, but I don't think it's gonna be as often as it used to be with the dive comps. I totally agree. I think if Dive does come back, Diva will see play, but uh only time will tell. I feel like another thing that's gonna help with this patch in particular is the Arissa change. It's not very big. Uh, your barrier is on a one second longer cooldown. It's at what currently it's at eight, right? Eight seconds, yes. Eight seconds. So it's gonna be nine seconds. So it's almost let's round it up to ten. It's like ten seconds of not having your barrier if it goes out. With a lot of the Bastion comps we see where he can melt down that shield really fast, that one second is huge. That's enough for if you're exposed for one second and people focus you down, your your Arissa's gone. It's gonna. It's a lot more stress on the Arisa player now. Like you can't get bailed out by your cooldown. You actually have to think about, okay, when do I deploy this? Because if I put it in a bad position, it's gonna get shredded, and then I won't have it for my team. So it's a lot to think about when coming into this. And in a game where you have changes that are fractions of a second, 
like a whole second increase in cooldown time is huge. Moving on to the next change, Roadhog. The scrap gun ammo has increased from five to six, which is a change that I've wanted for so long. It just uh, allows him to output a little bit more damage, and you know, Hog needs that just just a little bit. Um, and I'm glad that they're giving him one more one more shot. And so we always have the question of is it going to be enough to beat Sigma? Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it, it's an it's a nice little change for the Roadhog players. All right, the next change is to Sigma. We have actually a lot to talk about when it comes to Sigma. Um, they found out that you know he's a little broken, which is why he was picked in just every game bit. just a little bit um so first things first uh kinetic grass can no longer block hook the chain hook from roadhog or whip shot from brig um it used to be able to do that which is really really insane um the lift time from gravitic flux was reduced from 1.2 seconds to 0.9 seconds so uh a third of a second less time in the air Barrier regen decreased um, over time from 175 to 150. So you're going to have your barriers less. And it has a one second cooldown after you're hit, but the barrier can go up instantly. So you can put it, essentially there's a refractory period when it breaks and when you take it down, but you can put it up immediately whenever. You don't, there's a 0.2 second animation to pull up the barrier at the moment. But in the new patch, essentially, he gets it whenever. Like, you could just throw up the barrier whenever. But when he takes it down, there's a cooldown between the moment he takes it down and the moment he can put it back up. I feel like they're trying to balance it out so that eventually, I hope this is what Blizzard is trying to focus on, is giving us viability with every character. So one of the one of the best examples, in my opinion, is like Dota 2. They have characters who are overpowered in specific regions but they are easily countered by other characters or ways how you can play them and i would like to see that with overwatch we have a bunch of characters we have 31 characters in the game you want to be able to see every character played at some point rather than you know just just these these eight are the only ones that you can play that are good um they want to be able to see like okay if a team goes full bunker you could go dive to counter it or um you have full dive well you could play like ryan zarya to hold down the fort and beat that i feel like sigma's changes now and coupled with the roadhog change i think they're trying to bring more hog back in because without he can't block the hook now and roadhog gets that extra shot i'd like to see more really cool roadhog plays do you think that they're trying to bring back some brigitte um i don't know if brig will come back into the state that she was we saw her once in, I think it was Lijong, the first map in Lijong. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, they tried to pull that out just because it's like AoE healing. And it's it's interesting to see see the Brig. I think the reason why Brig was picked in that case um, was for the stun on Doomfist. It gives you an extra CC. But it also gives some HP regen. She just doesn't have the same survivability that she used to, which is unfortunate. But... You know, it's the only way to really balance a character. All right, moving on into the next one. I think both of us are excited about this one in yeah. particular. The changes to Winston. His barrier stays up for three seconds longer. 
And the HP of his barrier went from 600 to 700. For a character that in the beginning they hyped up so much as Winston with the, um, I think the one of the pre-order bonuses was you got a, a Winston pop figure. Plus if you got the Origins Edition, I think you got, um, you got a little Winston figure in, or character in one of the games, like a baby Winston. Hmm. For me, it was like the most disappointing thing about Winston was just he was kind of the weakest tank, in my opinion. His shield was up and gone super fast. And his gun, while it can target multiple foes, it wasn't the strongest. I'm really excited to see this change in his shield because it just it means that you have you're able to survive longer. I could say as a Winston player for my team when I was during the era of dive, um, he was good because he was able to survive for that long. And now with the recent patch and the amount of damage that has been coming out, uh, barriers that are very small in terms of HP, like if you consider Winston's bubble at the moment, it gets shredded immediately. So there's no reason for you to even attempt to Winston hop in and block some damage because you're going to get completely obliterated. So with this change... I think it's that and the Diva Matrix thing. It's slightly leaning more towards dive. They want to make dive come back just a little bit, but not too much where it's the only thing you can play. I think currently the only time I ever play Winston is when it's total mayhem, because that's when you see a good utility with his shield because you get it so often that you don't really have to worry about the health or how fast it goes away because you can just hop around and place it down. They don't say anything about changing the cooldown for it. So you still have to be judicious about where you place it when you're Winston. But the fact that it is a stronger shield gives you a little bit more time to let that cooldown before it goes away. So for, for Donald Winston, uh, the new Baptiste changes his immortality field HP goes down from 250 to 200. No, I don't think this is a big change. Um, it, yes, it does get taken down 50 HP quicker, but it just means that Baptiste players are just got to be a little bit more smarter about the placement of the immortality field. Um, most of them, most Baptiste players just throw it around a corner, so you can't even see it to hit it. So um, I think that's that's okay but it's gonna get taken down really quickly so essentially it's saying we don't promote that bunker composition right now um they want it to be like a last ditch effort thing rather than like oh we could rely on just leaving the immortality field up the entire game do you think this is going to discourage that bunker comp in pirate shipping a lot or is it do you think the change is minor enough to still let it run but just with a smarter decisions of when to deploy i feel like the latter is going to be the way how it's going to go um you have to play pirate ship a lot cleaner than you would normally do right now like right now you just throw down barriers and you're just like okay this barrier's gone put up sigma's barrier okay that both barriers down throw down immortality field like it's kind of a no brain situation uh if I'm, i'm calling it that um but Right now, I feel like with these changes, you have to be a lot more conservative and smart about when you deploy your stuff. Because literally fractions of a second at this point will determine if your bunker works or not. 
All right. And since we're done with Baptiste, let's go into this. This is huge. The Lucio changes that we have coming out. So his passive speed goes up from 20% to 25%. So uh, when it's just on that crossfade, when it amps, you go up to 60% speed up from 50% speed. And then his wall ride was reduced from 40 to 30% movement speed. So in all in all, Lucio Lucio's help to his team got increased. His personal speed off walls got decreased. That's a that 10% boost is insane to me. I, I don't even understand how fast that's going to be yet. I think fights, fights are going to be a lot faster now. You can contest a lot quicker with that 10% boost plus the 5% from the passive. Um, this is going to help a lot when I think you're trying to contest a point with your team is down a couple people. If you can hold on the point just a little bit, enough for your team to get back from spawn with a Lucio, that's going to be huge for the disparity between man per team. I, I totally agree. Lucio is going to be a must-pick if this patch does come in. Only because if a team has Lucio, it's like back in the day when it was the Reinzaria meta. If one team didn't have a Lucio, they wouldn't be able to even catch up or backpedal uh, fast enough to get outside of the team's range. So now that Lucio has faster speed for both the teammates and during speed boost, um, it's going to come down to, oh, when do you want to initiate? When do you want to disengage? Um, it's like the smart Lucio players are going to take this patch and run. Um, but it's going to be up to like those ones who just, you know, kind of passively sit on healing. You have to realize the utility of having speed and being able to help out your team get in and out of, of the fight. Cause Lucio is the only character who has that ability at the moment. All right. And then from Lucio, we'll, we'll go into mercy. The mercy changes, not a lot. Uh, just a quick, like, I guess it's a quality of life change, you could say. So Mercy's Valkyrie beams go through enemy barriers. So you can heal somebody who's on the opposite side of a barrier. I don't think that this is enough to bring Mercy back into the meta, but it's something that, you know, it it's just a quality of life change for Mercy players. Definitely. And when I think it's going to be most effective for people, for teams and people who like to play very aggressively. I can't remember. I think it was in Anubis this week. We saw... One of the Sigma players, I can't remember which team it was, pushed too far ahead, couldn't get healed, and got completely taken out. With this patch, it's, it, I mean, it's probably not going to be the smartest decision for the Mercy to fly out or move closer to heal them, but with the ability to heal through barriers and the Agents of Shield comp right now, it's going to give a little bit more viability to people who like to flank or who like to dive. I agree with what you said. I don't think it's enough to really meta boost mercy right now but when you have comps that run with the pharmacy that we still do occasionally see um it'll make those composition choices a little bit more viable and give a little bit more utility to that mercy pick besides just boosting the pharah all right and then moving on to a healer that we've never seen into a healer that we see all the time uh moira her biotic grasp the self-healing off of that is reduced from 30 to 20 HP per second. So this is kind of the change that I saw with 
once they announced that brig change where she only gets half the healing i was like oh man they're doing the same to moira right now um which is good in my opinion um it gives her less survivability so you have to be very careful about when you use your fade but it also will prevent like dps moira from going off you know we're not always fans of DPS Moira, but, you know, if you got to get the job done, you got to do what you got to do. So it'll just give Moira less survivability, which will maybe fluctuate whether she's picked all the time. But I don't really see see that happening. As a more recent Moira main after the roll lock has come through, this makes me sad a little bit just because I don't really trust the other healers on my team a lot of the time. But I mean, I don't think it's going to matter too much um there have been times where i have relied on my own self-healing to stall out and hold the point and it has worked but i really don't as like with the pro level and with the higher level teams where your healers are on their game and you're watching out for each other i really don't think it's going to discourage play that much it's just going to make your moiras have to be a little bit smarter and i think you're going to have to use the healing orb a little bit more often than the damage orb. But I do think you're right in saying it's going to decrease the amount of attack Moira's that we see. All right. And then to another always pick hero, Doomfist actually got a couple changes, which uh, I think that they're they're good enough. So here we go. Uh, Rocket Punch takes 0.4 seconds to charge all the way to full. So what this implies is you can get in and out still the same uh, the same amount of time. It's just getting to that full charge that's going to take a little bit longer. And then his other thing is his passive, which is offense is the best defense. Um, the shield gain off of that is reduced from 35 to 30 per hit. There was a video that someone put up doing a side-by-side comparison with the current Doomfist rocket punch charge and the upcoming one in the PTR. Have you seen it? I've tested it myself a couple times, but yeah, it feels it feels like a little bit... It, well, it's kind of like an eternity now <laughs> if yeah. you're a Doomfist player, but it's enough to give the enemy team to move out the way, um, which, you know, other teams are like, yay, we don't have to worry about Doom that way. But at the same time, like a good Doomfist player is going to catch you out around a corner and you're not going to see it coming. So it's just going to take them a little bit longer. Uh, But I don't think it's game changing. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, just watching them side by side, that's here's another instance where 0.4 of a second doesn't really seem that long until you watch it. That's a whole half a second. That's actually kind of a lot of time, especially when you if you have hit scan players or if you get focused down that 0.4 of a second is enough to really wreck your day i think a lot of these changes are just going to have to make players be smarter like you said i think the people who play on a higher level with this hero are not really going to have much of a problem they're going to be able to adjust and play smarter but i think it's going to catch a lot of people out in the very beginning and they're just going to be more judicious when they go for a full punch or when they just kind of quick tap to get out. So our next hero change is with Sombra. Uh, Her change comes to her translocator cooldown, 
They're increasing that from four to six seconds, but the cooldown begins immediately after you deploy the translocator. So it's going to be similar to Junkrat in how his mine, um, you, you have it right as soon as you deploy it. We haven't seen a lot of Sombra in a while. You see her occasionally. What do you think about this? Yeah, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of torn on this change. I like it. If you're a somber player, you you like this quite a bit. Like you're gonna have the ability to disengage really quickly, or engage and then know that you have a second translocator to get out if you need it. Um, but I don't know if this is enough to bring her back into the meta. Like we can see her here and there. I totally don't mind seeing. Sombra come back to just stop a Doomfist. You know, that's just outplaying and, you know, picking around your opponent. Um, but essentially it just makes Sombra more elusive than she used to be, which she if she wasn't already elusive enough, you're going to catch her out this way. And then the last change that we have is to Tracer. Now, this is a huge one in my opinion. The Pulse Pistol's fall-off damage begins at 13 meters instead of 10. So the reason why this is big is essentially that three meters of extra space tracers could play at like a ridiculously far kiting distance than they used to before so um the best way to describe this is mccree's flashbang i believe reaches about eight meters out so when tracer wanted to deal full damage to a mccree they had to get within that range for flashbang, which gives McCree, you know, flashbang headshot, right? But with this newest change, she could play outside of the range of McCree's flashbang unless he commits roll to it, um, which is still huge. Like, it, it requires a lot out of the McCree. That's two cooldowns that you're forcing out of the McCree in order to get the kill. And you really don't want to use roll for mobility. Pulse pistols having a longer fallout or having a longer fall off damage like start means that tracer is going to be able to like shred back line like kite around and be more effective in my opinion from a longer range we haven't seen tracer really be viable in the meta for a little bit of time so from from a league spectator aspect this really is exciting because you have a lot of really really good tracer players who haven't been able to play her in a while like Dante's really good at Tracer. Linkster's really good at Tracer. Um, Sinatra might be able to hop back on Tracer next season if this change goes through. Um, Saviolbe. Saviolbe. Uh, and Tracer's the baby of the league, so it'd be good to see her in more games. I think it'd be, it'd be really fun to see an Agents of Shield meta with Tracer come into play, where she can hop in between the spaces of the shields and still keep a little bit of distance between her and some close-up damage and hop back out yeah i would like to see if this does any change to uh the viability of doomfist if we see doomfist come in and uh just imagine doomfist tracer dive now with having both the tracer increase in range and the doomfist you know still having that one-shot potential that is, that is everything in the ptr patch as we have quite a lot to dissect um but in terms of winners and losers i think Winners wise, dive compositions are going to come back just because not not like to full strength dive, but you might be able to see them come in here and there with the boost to Winston, Diva, 
Tracer and Lucio, just being able to get your team in faster, um, we might be able to see that. With all these changes, it's like we're getting a brand new game, essentially. They're, the meta is going to flip a lot. Like you said, there's going to be a lot of... There's a lot more emphasis going to be on dive, hopefully, that we're going to see. Yeah, and I think that's really important for dive comp to come back. It's just we want to have a dynamic meta. We don't want it to just be the same thing over and over again. Um, and in terms of that, uh, the losers would be the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is the uh, Sigma, Orisa, Moira, and Baptiste all kind of took a minor hit. But mainly the cooldown management is going to be really big for those kinds of those kind of metas. They're going to have to be a little bit more cautious about how they play. So our next topic's a little bit of a strange one. Um, an Overwatch League team is tied to a professional Australian crime ring. Um, one of the eight Australian contenders teams. The news stories that I've seen have not mentioned which team but one of these teams is tied to reports of match fixing so in essence what that means is with with betting there are certain odds to who's going to win and you get a certain payout based on the result of that so like if you have a team that's kind of an underdog versus a clear favorite if you bet on the underdog and the underdog wins, you get a bigger payout as opposed to if the clearly favored team wins. Is That's just my understanding of how uh, sports betting works. So the center of this controversy is that the certain Overwatch contenders team is intentionally throwing matches in order to make money for this crime ring. What are your thoughts on this, Kevin? As someone who has played for an overwatch team so the way how i think about this is every single sport that has betting is going to have some form of match fixing at some point um it is just something that's built into gaming and competition uh in general with money when money's involved things happen dota 2's had its fair share of match fixing where people will intentionally throw is there a way that you think that this can be discouraged I think the only way to really discourage this is to find the truth and then have a specific rule for it. So when Dota 2 started having a lot of uh, match-fixing issues, they straight-up banned an entire organization from their tournaments ever again. <laughs> so um, there, was, there was a team completely banned, and then all the players involved were banned as well. They blackballed the entire like organization so even if said organization gets a full restructure and new like teams completely and completely different players and stuff like that they are showing the severity of how much they're gonna you know put the hammer down so hit him in the wallet exactly that's the best way how to do it especially for organizations who are trying to make money off of it you hit them in the wallet they can't they can't come back and make money off of the game that they want to i just think it's so weird how a couple of years ago, esports was a joke. And then now you have stories where it's tied to professional crime. I can see this as like a weird comedy movie, honestly. Like just later down the line where when uh, esports is taken 
legitly. It's like it's like uh, you could probably see like Ben Stiller, like it's like dodgeball. Like, oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! It's dodgeball, but for esports. That's <laughs> dodgeball two is gonna be like esports dodgeball, like dodgeball video game fixing in crime ring. Exactly. Uh, it it'd be interesting to see. If I I don't know what at you what Kevin Hart and uh, The Rock again. Just oh god, throw them in there. <laughs> Ready to move on? Yeah. We could go into this new Zed Widowmaker skin that was teased during the pregame show. What what do you think about the skin initially? Do you do you think you're gonna rock it? I don't play Widow because I'm terrible at sniping. I think it was very cool to give him a commemorative skin. Khaled didn't get a skin. It was a good way to honor Zed. I I, I kind of wish they'd done a little bit more than just a recolor and throw his um his logo on there. But I think it's fun. I I guess it's good and a bad step. I think for me, because on one hand, it's cool to see Overwatch partner with different outside entities like you saw it with the Lego and now we have it with Zed. I think it could set a dangerous precedent in a little bit too much of product placement and cross branding. Like, I don't want to see like down the line an Alienware skin or like Adele skin. Yeah, or... just like partnerships with specific thing, you know, HP by or Omen by HP skin. <laughs> Just things that aren't necessary. I think that these the, these two most recent skins that were of partnerships, like Lego and Zed, are definitely valid choices. Lego has some really amazing sets out there for Overwatch. Zed's a huge fan of the game. He performed for everybody. It was a it was a good performance. I, I just hope that it's not it doesn't open a nature store for Overwatch in the future. I think this is a cool skin. I won't rock it because Again, I'm terrible at Widow, but I think for music fans and Widow fans that it's really cool to have something like that in the game. Your thoughts, especially as someone who's played against Zed. I feel like it's going to trigger me every single time that I see it, <laughs> knowing that <laughs> it could potentially be... It's just like, hey, I like I don't have PTSD playing against Zed, but now if people are wearing Zed's skin, <laughs> like it's like, okay... I can't step out of spawn right now. I am physically <laughs> scarred by the skin. Uh, no, but honestly, I think it was a very good choice by Blizzard to honor Zed. Um, Zed is probably one of the most outspoken celebrities about like his Overwatch like play stuff, and he's also very good. So, I mean, if the MVPs get a skin, you know, give cool musical guests who are also happen to be GM skins, like just you know. Be, be cautious about how much uh, cross-branding you can do. So now that we've kind of cautioned against partnerships for Overwatch skins, um, is there any kind of cross-branding skin that you'd like to see in Overwatch? Blizzard has a whole bunch of other IPs that they can pull from, which they wouldn't get in trouble for using. So literally all the StarCraft stuff, all the World of Warcraft, uh, World of Warcraft stuff, all the Diablo stuff, like... I feel like if they did that when they did the announcement for Blizzard World and the anniversary sets, like those are really cool. Um, if they kept doing that, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing um, this is a personal one, but like a Zerg Queen Diva um, where like the the mech looks like a Zerg thing. And then, you know, actually Diva pops out and she's like green. Um, you know, that, that'd be pretty cool. Um, but 
I don't think that there's anything that's like like outside company that would be like, okay, yeah, they need to partner with Overwatch to make this happen. I'm going to go back to what I said a couple weeks ago is I really want a Super Shimada Brothers skin. I don't think I don't think we'd get it on PS4 or PC. This goes back to our conversations about um, console exclusive skins. But I think it'd just be so funny to see uh, Hanzo and Genji as Mario and Luigi. I think you would have to do console specific skins for like you know every console that would have that as an as an option. But I think as a fun like anniversary gift, that would be something that would be very fun to see. Each console getting a specific skin like every year, once a year, would get people to be like, oh, okay, well, I like the you know the Luigi Genji skin, but I also like the the Ryan or the Doomfist uh, Kratos skin that could come to PS4 or something like that. But then you have to give something special for the PC players. Like you have to give us like a very specific skin. I think that's a good opportunity for to look into all the really amazing skins that fans have made in the past. I've seen some really cool ones that I would have loved to see in the game, but that we just haven't because of course they're fan-made skins and the developers have their own ideas of what they'd like to do. But I think that would open up a really cool fan engagement aspect of the game. And it would also kind of, I think it would keep everybody happy. So I understand that Steam has this already, but there's like a workshop thing that they do. And then they have like, essentially players can go through the workshop and like upvote things that they like. Um, So certain like models of characters or like different character skins and all that stuff. And then if let's say Blizzard really likes it, they can put it into the game and then they would pay the, they pay the modeler, the initial person who made it. Um, royalties for each time that 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 skin was used so it's a very interesting thing in that case um if blizzard decides to do that or if they want to do like a i think that they did it in the past but like a skin contest where they said like okay you know what send us your skin designs like first place we'll get this second place this third place this and then maybe a couple other consolation ones will be down the pipeline All right, and with that, is there anything that you think we should include in this news segment, which is a lot longer than I think I thought it would go? Yeah, I just want to point out one quick thing. Um, I have a couple friends in the Tier 2 scene, um, in the Overwatch contender scene. So the 2019 Gauntlet is going to be ran in Seoul, Korea this time at the Giga Arena. That's going to be between October 9th and the 13th. So tell... Lemon Kiwi, Boopasaurus, Leg Day, all those guys that you know, Kaneshi sent you. Um, and it's taken the top 10 teams, which is the top two from each region, and the best one from uh, the Pacific and the Atlantic Division already get a buy in the first round. So they're competing for $250,000 and Damn. you know, a chance to get recognized a little bit. All right, and with that... Thank you for tuning into our news segment this week. Um, what's on the docket for next week, Kanashi? So I think next week we're just going to be talking about the potential Halloween stuff. Um, you know, it's going to be October rolling around the corner. Or probably by the time you hear this, it is October. So uh, we're getting Happy into October. the... 
yeah, we're going to be getting into the season of spooky skeletons and pumpkins. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we get some cool skins to go along with that. We heard Jeff Kaplan and the team talk about there being less cosmetic stuff and more focus on the actual gameplay itself. So we might get less skins, but, you know, quality of life changes. I'd take quality of life changes over cosmetics any day of the week. All right. Well, thank you for tuning into the news segment. Tune into our analysis segment next where we're going to or unless you listen to it first where we're going to talk about everything that happened in the grand finals thanks for listening to this week's episode like what you hear please like rate and subscribe to us on itunes spotify google play stitcher luminary and tune in and follow us on all social media at Believe in O-W-L. That's B-L-E-A-V in O-W-L. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. Interested in advertising with the show? Please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.